Hey y'all, welcome to Brianna Approved, a podcast for people who like a holistic approach to real science and clinical research on all things nutrition, botanicals, and balance. I'm your host, Brianna DiOrio, clinical nutritionist, herbal practitioner, and recovering super spaz. Welcome back to the Brianna Approved podcast. We are on episode five, And I am very excited about this episode because anybody who has followed me for long enough knows that plant compounds is basically my love language. And so this is going to be your plant compound starter kit. We are going to be talking about what plant compounds actually are, why you should eat one big ass salad a day. We will also do a plant compound spotlight and an MVP of plant compounds, and of course, your nerd alert, which will be terpenes. Talk a little bit about why you feel better after being in nature, and it is due to a plant compound. And then we'll finish the episode off with a botanical brie segment about rosemary and a health homework assignment. And now it's time for your fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. Did you know, according to the Nutrition Journal, it has been estimated that 30 to 40% of all cancers can be prevented by lifestyle and dietary measures alone. Now, this is good timing for this episode because we are going to talk about particular plant compounds that have been researched for things like immune function and inflammation and even tumor growths. So, you know... I don't want to get too much into cancer today because that's a whole separate topic and we know that it's not a single disease, but rather a complex network or a group of diseases. And nutraceuticals is something that has been researched in cancer in particular that can work on providing medicinal benefits to the body. Pharmaceuticals have a lot of the same pathways that the body works with to modulate inflammation, to modulate tumor growth. And so we know that there are over 182 different spice-derived nutraceuticals that have also been studied to have these therapeutic benefits on the body. And they are coming from natural sources, from things like herbs and plant compounds. And that's what we're going to talk mostly about today. So let's get into what plant compounds are. Now, some of these words are really big and I mess up the pronunciation of them all the time. I spend a good portion of my day figuring out how to pronounce them. So we're not going to get tested on this at the end, but I do want you to understand what some of the basics are. So let's talk about plant compounds, plant constituents, this term that is generally used to refer to these chemicals that have biological significance in the body. So at any time during this episode, you might hear me say plant compounds, plant constituents, phytochemicals. Those all pretty much mean the same thing. They're the active parts of the plant that have been isolated, and they're pretty much broken into 16 main groups. What's really cool about some of these plant compounds is that some of these plants, adaptogens in particular, actually produce more of these secondary compounds when the plant itself is stressed out, 
which is what actually gives them some of their adaptogenic properties. That will be for a later topic, but we do know that scientists have estimated that there are more than 5,000 phytochemicals. So we're only really beginning to understand what they can do for our health. There's still a lot more research to be done in this field, but you might have heard of these terms before. Carotenoids that we might find in things like carrots or lycopene in tomatoes, caffeic acid, which is found in caffeine, which believe it or not is a compound itself, flavonoids, polyphenols, tannins, anthocyanins. So it sounds like I'm speaking another language, but these are all really, really cool plant compounds that we're going to touch on today. So let's get back to the basics and talk about, you know, what are plant compounds? What are some of the most common ones we see in research? And again, these active constituents, these active parts of the plant are generally classified by their chemical structure rather than the specific action in the body. We'll touch base a little bit on mechanism of action today and basically how they work. So alkaloids are really interesting because they have analgesic or pain relieving properties. They also have mood supporting properties and there's about 10,000 different alkaloids that are known. Then we have another group of plant compounds called anthocyanins. There's roughly 630 different anthocyanins that have been studied, and we know that this is where flavonoids come in. So things that are orange and pink and red and purple and all these really deep, deep, bright colors are very rich in anthocyanins. They provide antioxidant properties, and they have a lot of immune and cellular health benefits. Another group of plant compounds is something called glucosinolates. There are more than 130 of these, and these as well possess antioxidant properties. In particular, they're really great for supporting liver detoxification. So these are things that are found in, you know, Brussels sprouts, and broccoli and cabbage, really, really great for supporting liver health and detoxification in general. Another really popular group of plant compounds that you might have heard of are phenols. There are more than 8,000 phenolytic structures. So these plant polyphenols are really involved in defense against UV radiation from pathogens and parasites. So this is what it does in our cells. It actually helps to protect our cells from free radical damage. And now we don't want to totally give free radicals a bad rap because free radicals on some level do act like cell signaling molecules. And we know that we want to have a balance of free radicals and antioxidants. I always joke and I say free radicals are kind of like your drunk friend who is making a mess everywhere and is taking terrible photos and wants to call their ex-boyfriend and just can't be managed. And antioxidants are your really responsible friend who take your phone away from you. They make you drink water. They help you put your pajamas on. So we need both of them. So these phenols are really great at helping to protect against this free radical damage. Most of these plant compounds do this. Flavonoids are actually the most abundant polyphenols in our diet. Flavonoids themselves are divided into six different subgroups. 
so we're not going to get too much into that today. But some of the more common flavonoids that you might have heard of include quercetin, which is a natural antihistamine, which is really great for not only immune health, but also for allergy season. You can find this in things like onions and broccoli and even apples. Catechin is another flavonoid. This is what's found in tea, particularly green tea. We see a lot of research in that. And then, of course, again, those anthocyanins, so things that are found in berries, black currants, raspberries, blueberries, really great sources of these flavonoids. Then we have tannins and anthroquinones. So anthroquinones are cool because this can support a laxative-like effect in the body. They can increase peristalsis. They can basically get things moving. So if you've ever taken a tea that helps you go to the bathroom, like a Senna tea, the anthroquinones in there are really popular for that. Cascara does this, and so does rhubarb and aloe. Before we go any further into discussing more of these plant compounds, I want to make it very clear that you can still eat protein and eat meat and be keto or paleo or whatever group you want to fall into and still increase your consumption of plant-based foods. You don't have to be a plant-based person to have a plant-based diet. So I think we can all agree on the fact that everybody would benefit from increasing their consumption of fruits and vegetables and whole grains that contain these secondary plant compounds that provide benefits to our health. They provide antioxidants, right? They can support the cell and the mitochondria. So I just want to remind people that everything you do does not have to be labeled or fit into a specific box. You can be a nutrition agnostic, work, do what works best for you, and just really focus on increasing your plant compounds overall. Okay, so I I really want that message to be clear. Now back to plant compounds because they are the star of this episode today. I always say teamwork makes the dream work, and this is no different when it comes to plants and vegetables and all these great foods that we are eating, because we know that many of these plants contain dozens of different phytochemicals. So there are some plants that have more concentrated phytochemicals. If we look at turmeric, for instance, we know that you know curcumin gets a lot of press in the health world. If we look at ginger, we know that gingerols are one of the active compounds, right? But they also contain many other things like tumorones. So it's interesting to think about it almost like a baseball team. You need all of the players on the team to play a game that day. So we want to make sure that we're getting broad-based, full-spectrum botanicals if we can because they all do different things and they all complement each other. It's a team effort. Some can work on very specific mechanisms in the body. Some can work on genes. Some can work on enzymes. Some can work on proteins. So we just know that these bioactive compounds have many different therapeutic benefits, which can modulate inflammation states, oxidative stress. They can scavenge free radicals. So the more diverse we can get with our consumption of these plant compounds, the better, because you're going to be able to have a bigger team, if you will, right? If you only have one first baseman on your entire baseball team and they get injured or they aren't as great as you were hoping that they would be, 
you're going to have a problem. So if we can have a big variety of increasing these different plants and fruits and antioxidants and vegetables, we're going to have a higher probability of supporting overall health. Now, you know that your girl loves research. And epidemiology in particular is the study of how often diseases occur in different groups of people and why. So there have been a lot of epidemiological studies that show that high consumption of foods rich in these bioactive compounds with these antioxidant activities, including these vitamins and these phytochemicals, particularly phenylethic compounds like the flavonoids and the carotenoids, have a positive effect on human health and can actually diminish the risk of numerous diseases, including cancer, heart disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, and then some other age-related functional decreases. So things like, you know, cataracts and how our insulin receptors work. So there is really amazing research on these plant constituents. If you followed me for long enough, you will know that I say you should eat one big ass salad a day or shove all the shit that you can in your ninja and just keep it really simple. You don't have to spend a lot of money on green juices and green powders. I would rather see somebody buy organic produce and just shove everything you can at home in your own Ninja Bullet or a juicer or go to a health food store and buy a green juice there. So I think you don't necessarily need to be wasting your money on a green powder supplement. If you want to get one because you feel like it's adding to your daily routine, I don't have a problem with it, but I would rather see the money go to whole, real food and organic produce. Now let's talk about some basic plant compounds. We talked a little bit about carotenoids already, but these again are plant compounds that we find in foods that are red and yellow and green. So think about like, you know, carrots and squash and cooked tomatoes and broccoli. Now, what's important to remember about carotenoids is that they are antioxidants, but they are fat soluble, meaning that they are better absorbed when we have some fat present. So this is why it's a really good idea to cook some of your vegetables in something like grass-fed butter or ghee or something that's going to help to transport these carotenoids into the body to increase their absorption. Now, a lot of these carotenoids can support immune function, they can support eye health, they can support cardiovascular health. So there's about 600 different carotenoids that exist. So think bright colors, think of your peppers, think of your carrots, think of what you would get in a nice big summer salad. That's going to be a really nice, easy way to increase your carotenoids. We touched a little bit on flavonoids, and again, this is one of the largest groups of phytonutrients that exist. This is found in things like berries and apples and different citrus kind of fruits. Uh, Some of the highest amount of citrus is actually in the peel, so the orange peel and the lemon peel, as well as onions, green tea, and even coffee. So a lot of the research for flavonoids in particular is for modulating inflammation and for suppressing tumor growth. So very cool research on actually supporting the body from a cellular level. Another really popular plant compound is resveratrol. So this is found in red wine, particularly in very high amounts in the skin of the grapes. 
We can also get resveratrol from dark chocolates and peanuts. And there is a really good association with longevity in animals who have higher levels of resveratrol. It can support cardiovascular health and cognitive health, in particular, increased cerebral blood flow. So more blood flow is getting to the brain. We know that there is something called proanthocyanins, which again is a part of that flavanol group. So we find this in things like grapes and cacao. So these things have been linked to better functioning of lining of the arteries, particularly for supporting blood pressure. And then we know that foods that are rich in thiols and sulfides, so think about your onions, your garlic, olives, scallions, leeks, these have really, really nice research in supporting cholesterol levels. So think about just adding all the different spices that you can and going over to, you know, the vegetable section of Whole Foods or wherever you do your grocery shopping and just pick something new and try it out. Another plant compound that I love is isothiocinates. So these are found in cruciferous vegetables like kale and cabbage. A lot of good research on cardiovascular support and helping with cancer prevention. We are going to be talking about terpenes more in depth, but terpenes are found in things like cherries and citrus fruit, and they can be really great for actually fighting viruses and supporting immunity. And then we have lutein and zeaxanthin. These are found in dark leafy greens, really great for supporting eye health. A nice non-vegetable source of zeaxanthin and lutein would be egg yolks. So eating the whole egg yolk is going to be very beneficial. And then glucosinolates, which are one of my absolute favorite group of plant compounds. These are found in things like cabbage and horseradish, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, They do a lot of stuff on the phase one and phase two enzymes. I talked a lot about this in a previous episode for supporting detoxification, but these glucosinolates are really great because they can have really good research in inactivating carcinogens and protecting cells from DNA damage. A lot of this research has been done in mice and in rats but I do believe that there is a really good correlation between increasing the consumption of these and supporting the liver detoxification in particular. Now it's time to do a plant compound spotlight. We're gonna talk about sulforaphane. I love sulforaphane because it belongs to this group of plant compounds called isothiocinates. Now you're not gonna be tested on this, But what you basically need to know is that this is found in things like broccoli and broccoli sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, right? So eat your one big ass salad a day. And they also are very rich in a compound called glucoraphanin. Now, glucoraphanin is a precursor to sulforaphane, right? And so we know that these broccoli sprouts in particular are a really high source of this glucoraphin, which creates sulforaphane. So sulforaphane is the compound that actually helps the body to detoxify and support methylation systems in the body. Sulforaphane can help to normalize DNA methylation, which is really important because methylation is a process that happens billions of times per second in the body. 
and it regulates things like gene expression. And we know that in research in rats in particular, broccoli sprouts have been shown to support detoxification and glutathione production. And glutathione is one of our main antioxidants in the body. So a really quick, easy win that you can have for the week is by just adding broccoli sprouts to your salad. They don't taste like anything really. They're pretty innocuous in flavor and they contain up to 50 times more of the antioxidant sulforaphane than broccoli alone. So this is really great for those who don't love broccoli and they wish that they could. It's time for my favorite part of the show where we do nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. In this nerd alert section, we are going to be talking about terpenes, a particular plant constituent which are very high in aromatics. So you have probably experienced the scent of terpenes if you've ever used essential oils or if you have walked out in nature. We'll talk about that in a second. But we know that many plants in the mint family contain terpenes. They have this stimulant and sedative effect. So there are things that have menthol in them in particular that have this like minty aroma. These are things that are high in terpenes. Now, we have different kinds of terpenes. We have diterpenes and sesquiterpenes and monoterpenes, and they all have you know different benefits in the body. Things like lemon balm and lavender and chamomile can all contain terpenes. So things that can help calm you down, can support digestion, can kind of just make you feel a little bit more relaxed. Now, if you've ever gone and walked outside in nature, there's a compound called pionine. Now, pionine is found in rosemary, but also it's an aromatic scent that is given off by trees. So studies have found that these terpenes have this anti-inflammatory benefit, which is given off by pine trees in particular, which can make you feel kind of calm and relaxed. This is why forest bathing is a really popular practice in different cultures. Now, this pionine compound can actually work on certain pathways in the body, in particular, something called MAPK. So mitogen activated protein kinase pathways, MAPK. And what MAPK does is that they kind of work like cell signaling molecules, and they basically tell your cells if they should be proliferating or increasing in the number of cells, or if they should be differentiating, meaning that it can alter how the cell turns into something. So this pionine in particular works on this MAPK. It also works on things like tumor neurosis factor, nitric oxide, right? So really cool mechanisms in the body. And so forest bathing has been shown to actually help to relax the body, right? And again, these terpenes in the trees can have this effect. So if you're feeling stressed out and you go outside and you inhale the forest atmosphere, the phytochemicals that are produced by trees can have a relaxing effect on the body. For our last segment of the show, we're going to get into botanical brie. For the botanical brie segment today, we're going to be talking about rosemary. 
because I love talking about things that you already have in your kitchen or that you can easily get from a health food store. It doesn't have to always be in a tincture or a supplement form. I love rosemary because it has been called the queen of antioxidants. It's a member of the mint family, which we know contains terpenes, and it actually has a really nice warming effect in the body. So it can support cognition and digestion, as well as the liver and the heart. So rosemary can increase circulation in particular to the heart and decrease inflammation in the cardiovascular system. It's very high in antioxidants, so very good for decreasing oxidative stress and some of these other inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein, which is a marker of systemic inflammation, meaning inflammation everywhere in the body. Another fun fact about rosemary is that it's called the herb of remembrance. So it has traditionally been used to support memory. Back in the day, Greek scholars would actually smell rosemary to reduce anxiety and enhance memory during studying. Like I said before, energetically, rosemary is very warming and drying and stimulating. So it can be very good for somebody who has slow digestion maybe somebody who gets very bloated or nauseous. Rosemarinic acid is a polyphenol, right? A plant compound that naturally occurs in rosemary. We can also find this in things like sage and lemon balm and sweet basil. But again, this has been studied to reduce free radical damage. It can be very good for supporting allergies that are related to overexcitation of these immune globulins that can happen. So Making a nice rosemary tea at home can be really good during allergy season. All you have to do is take rosemary and some mint if you want. Um, I do some cinnamon sticks with it, and I basically just do a hot water decoction, and I let it simmer for about 20 minutes, and I drink that. You can add a little bit of stevia if you want, and have yourself some rosemary tea. Now, if anybody is looking for some extra credit for the week, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of health homework. And the goal I want everybody to remember is to keep painting your health picture. This episode might have felt overwhelming because some of the words sound like a different language. And I want everybody to remember big picture health, right? So nutrition should never be a religion. We want to keep everything as a, you know, what's the end goal? Is this getting me closer to where I want to be? And so I like to remind people that the Sistine Chapels was not painted in a day. It took four years. So you have to also keep painting your health picture. Nutrition and wellness are dynamic and they're highly individualized biochemical processes. They require self-experimentation. You have to listen to your body, listen to symptoms. And most importantly, don't try to fix 10 things at once, right? When it comes to your health, picking small habits that you can sustain and maintain are going to go a lot further. So an assignment for you this week might be to try one new plant compound. Go to the store, stand in front of the fruit and vegetable section, look at something that you've never seen before, and just try it out. Small, consistent changes, they add up over time. So just keep painting your health picture as you head into a new week, right? Progress doesn't have a timeline or a deadline and there's no destination. Try and maybe eat one big salad a day, shove all the compounds that you can in your ninja and try and increase a variety of these different compounds. 
So making sure we're getting in things like vegetables and fruits, whole grains, and then of course, you know, just vitamin R, relaxation, because all of that is going to tie the health ribbon together. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I hope you all get excited about increasing your plant compound consumption. And I look forward to hearing if any of you made the rosemary tea or if you had one new big salad a day. Ciao. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. Doop.